Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other technology topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by my co-host Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions and Shaheen Khan from Orion X. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to another edition of Radio Free HPC. And as you can tell from this fine voice you're hearing, Dan Olds is not here today. So it's just Henry and I. How are you doing, Henry? I'm excellent, Gene. I'm glad we're doing this without Dan. It'll be a lot more peaceful. All of our listeners could do us a favor by really listening to this particular episode. I think we can have a lot of fun with Dan to see just a big spike. So what's on the docket today, Henry? I had an idea because I'm sick of hacks. And the first thing I want to talk about is, I don't know about you, Gene, but I constantly get emails to my personal account saying, you've overflowed your email box. You got to do this. You got to do that. My mom got some of them, and you know it's all garbage. So I was wondering, what if I created a VM and go to these sites and put in a random password of 20 characters? I can just generate passwords with my password manager and start putting in passwords for them to use and go try all over the internet and waste their time. What do you think of that idea? (laughs) I love the way you're thinking, as the saying goes. I've always thought that one good way to battle people who are searching for data is to just give them wrong data. So I think this fits with that philosophy. Yeah. You're also kind of counting on taking this password and trying it across the internet. Well, yeah, they can do that. That'll be a random 20-character password that I'll generate with the password manager. Let them go try it wherever they want. I mean, the chances of a collision are probably pretty low. (laughs) (laughs) So you're basically giving them some hash data. No, I'm going to let the password manager make it up and generate it and use letters, digits, symbols, and ambiguous characters. So you're also finding a new use for password managers. Yeah. Password generators, I mean. Yeah, password generators. And I definitely want to give them ambiguous characters. Okay, so at a minimum, this is a market expansion opportunity for password generators. Yeah. Now, this only helps with this whole phishing, spear phishing malware, right? It does not impact traditional malware that get on your system and cause damage or spyware that tracks stuff and send it to somebody. Yeah, well, that's why I was going to do it in a VM. I see. And just destroy the VM after every time I go to the site. Now, I have a couple of separate email addresses that I use for things that are liable to get out there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that is a reason or not, but I actually get a lot less spam on my main email addresses than I used to. Okay. I don't know if that's part of a best practice or not, but it at least makes me feel like it's working. Well, it's better to feel better. But the good if the data backed it up. So there is another thing that's going on in the market and was big news, and that is Intel appearing to decommit from Omnipath, their high-end interconnect. I don't think it's appearing. I think they announced that they were going to do that. I think there was a quote in what I read. I thought it came out in an interview rather than be like a press release or an official statement. To me, in an interview is an official statement. I guess we have a little nomenclature difference. Okay, but that really is highlighting what's going on in high-performance interconnect market space. The hierarchy that I have in mind is you got the CPU interconnects buses at the very high end, like QPI, and all the way at the other end, you have Ethernet. And that space in the middle has been getting more and more filled up But what's happening with Intel's move and what happened with NVIDIA buying Mellanox, what happened with Cray announcing Shasta with PCI networking coming along with GigaIO and Gen Z and C6 
and then with NVLink from NVIDIA and OpenCAPI. But I think the acquisition of Mellanox by NVIDIA and now Intel leaving the space is really transformative. I feel like we're reaching a point where there is really no such thing as proprietary or open interconnect. They're just going to be interconnects and they're going to be under the hood and people are just going to use what is best for them. What do you think? I think they are. And it's yet to be determined because I haven't seen any benchmark data on Rocky 2, some overhead there, and obviously the Cray interconnect. It's a shame this happened. And I'm sure NVIDIA is jumping up and down for joy. But as the future goes on, I think there will be some ability to have some competition here. If you go back to the early days when we had Mirnet and Dolphin and then InfiniBand came about because Future.io and NGIO decided to merge and initially they had a whole raft of supporters including Intel, Microsoft, IBM, HP, Agilent, on and on. Sun, Oracle, of course those guys, Oracle carries on having a stake in here. But then all of that really got whittled down. We ended up with Voltaire being bought by Mellanox, Silverstorm, if you remember that, being bought by QLogic, which itself then went to Intel, the InfiniBand part of it. Intel bought Cray Ares and Gemini. They bought Fulcrum to do silicon for networking. Infinicon was around, and I don't know what happened to them. They probably got sold to somebody. Topspin was doing InfiniBand. Yeah, but, but Shaheen, the issue is it's about the size of the market, man. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, I've, I've said this before, it's follow the money. And, you know, if there's not enough money to support all these companies and the R&D around them, and that was my feeling, then there's got to be market consolidation. Well, I think Intel's withdrawal from that original NGIO, future IO leading to InfiniBand was a big factor because there was a time when InfiniBand was supposed to be end-all, be-all and a replacement for Ethernet. And then that clearly didn't happen. And then Cisco bought Topspin only to get rid of the InfiniBand part and keep the V-Frame management software. Well, with NVMe or Fabric about to be here and the things around it, NVMe is a PCI protocol. I wonder if, and this is just wondering out loud, if the idea is to run NVMe communications protocol and you put a user layer communications on top of it. Yeah, I think that maybe what you're saying is what you do on top of the network is more important than what the actual protocol is underneath. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The other thing to really notice is that when we use InfiniBand in HPC world, we use it within one application. So it's an intra-application network. Mm -hmm. Whereas Ethernet is generally inter-application network, if you will, although that's changing as apps are changing. And the modularity of applications as that increases on the enterprise side is going to have similar issues as HPC has had. So that was something I was hoping would help converge the two. But clearly, if you look at top 500, the bottom half is Ethernet. The upper half is not Ethernet, more or less. And that's cost. Or some of it's cost and some of it is the Chinese just wanting to get machines on the list, too. Well, that's true. Well, so you're kind of making my point is that maybe for higher end, you really do need something other than Ethernet. I would say you definitely need for the majority of applications, something that is not Ethernet as we know it. So use the same underlying technology, but do something on top, which is what we're doing now. Yeah, you yeah. do something in layer two or something like that. Well, I think NetNet, this is good news for Cray, because that gives their Shasta interconnect, especially now that it's headed towards HPE, possibility to be two-horse race. Uh, but it's also good news for PCIe networking guys. Yeah, well... 
all of this is yet to be determined. We're going to see what happens. And we're in another round of interconnects here, I think, over the next five years, because there can't be just one interconnect. And there are many applications still that need high-speed interconnect. The question is, are people willing to pay for it? And or is there programming methods to program around it? And is there enough money to keep developing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think this is the time in our show when we hear this noise. Catch of the day. So what is your catch? Do you have a catch this week? I do have a catch, and it's one of my favorite subjects of silent data corruption. And for those who know me, I've been talking about this for now almost, well, almost two decades now. And this silent data corruption was interesting to me because it's the 737 MAX software getting hit by cosmic rays because it's flying so high, and they have to test bit flips on certain things. So I'm not familiar with what the ECC and the protocols are in airplanes that are flying at high altitude, and I'm sure they're not shielded. But going back to the original Cray-1, which had parity at Los Alamos, Serial-1, they had a number of bit flips, and, and parity didn't work, and that's why they developed ECC right. for the Serial-3 of the Cray-1. They skipped Serial-2. And then also almost bought the machine. And if you go higher altitude, you have more cosmic radiation and you have a higher probability of bit flips. And I guess they injected these in the 737 and lo and behold, it didn't do so well in the software wise. So wow. I thought it was a pretty interesting article. I, I shared it with you and we share it with the, the listeners. We're going to put the link up. You know, what's all been going on with the 737 MAX has caused major damage to the brand of Boeing. But I would have thought these things are highly shielded in airplanes and therefore immune from cosmic rays. And that may or may not be the case. Yeah, and I'm guessing they're using standard DRAM, standard memory, standard other stuff. I thought these things were still partially electromechanical, partially digital. And you were saying in our pre-call that these things are now fully as digital. As far as I know, it's all fully digital. And if they are, well, then maybe this is really indicative of how difficult it is to go from industrial age to information age. That you could have just state-of-the-art manufacturing, but the moment you inject digital stuff in it, it well, ain't as easy. Well, the cockpits have been digital for a lot of time. They connected to hydraulic devices, but you know, we've had digital cockpits going back for quite a while but the operation of the plane but was you have not standard so... memory in a plane you've got to have protection you do that's so right. the plane doesn't go and do the wrong hydraulics that's incredible i have a catch and this is microsoft there was a news last week that microsoft is investing a billion dollars in open ai will jointly develop new supercomputer technologies so both parts of that sentence caught my attention and the relevant paragraph is this Microsoft and OpenAI also plan to work together on new AI supercomputing technologies to solve the world's hardest problems. And then there's a quote from Microsoft from, I believe, their CEO that says the companies will focus on building a computational platform in Azure of unprecedented scale, which will train and run increasingly advanced AI models, including hardware technologies that build on Microsoft's supercomputing technology and adhere to the two companies' shared principles on ethics and trust. Okay, given that this is a very 
hot topic in our industry, I think this is yeah, pretty significant. Yeah, Henry, if you remember whatever Dirksen said, a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon you're talking about real money. <laughs> That's right. I think this also means another turn of the knob for supercomputing yep. in the cloud. Now, I know Microsoft has a couple of Cray systems in their Azure cloud that they offer, and I wonder if there's any linkage there. There has to the be The other question, Gene, but... is what happens to them after the HP takeover? Does that still continue or not? And I, I right. don't know the answer to that. So that's a TBD. Yes. Well, all right. I think that is getting us to the next phase of this show, which is when we sign off. I think off, so. Right? And we hope Dan has a good family reunion. Oh, that's right. That is what he's doing. I hope all the family scores are settled peacefully yes. and good food is had and good cheer for all of them. All right. So on that cheerful note, we sign off. Thank you all and see you real soon on another episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening.